If you were to see an off-ramp sign for a superhighway that says, do not enter, would you resent that sign or would you appreciate it? If you were trying to find your way onto a superhighway and you just did not know if this was the on-ramp or the off-ramp access, you would most likely appreciate the fact that somebody put up a sign that said, this access is not it, do not enter. You would not want to find your car heading head-on towards a highway full of trucks and cars. God gives us his word of warnings in the Ten Commandments. Whenever God says a negative, God always has a positive purpose behind it. God always has a reason for his commandments. His commandments are not just to cause pain. They are for your protection. So please take out the sermon notes today that we have prepared for you. Looking at Exodus 20, verse 14, you shall not commit adultery. Nothing destroys a family faster than adultery. God says this is his protection plan. I do not want you committing adultery. So Martin Luther asked that question, what does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we lead a purely sexually pure and decent life in what we say and do. Husband and wife love and honor each other. For some... The mere mention of the word adultery causes you pain and bad memories. But the purpose of today's message is not to resurrect past pain. If you have confessed your sin to God, you have been forgiven. God has forgiven and forgotten, and you need to do it also. If you feel guilty over sin that you have confessed and have already been forgiven for, then that guilt is not from God, it's from Satan. From Satan who wants you to doubt God's grace and to doubt his forgiveness. Don't let Satan continue to condemn you. Condemn you for things of your past. So today as we look at the sixth commandment, we're going to focus on the future. God is no killjoy. God invented sex. And like all of God's gifts, it has limitations. God wants us to use it, but not to abuse it. See, for example, God has given us the gift of water. You cannot live without water. With too much water, you will drown. God has given us the gift of fire. Fire can either warm us or it can burn us. And God says the gift of sex properly controlled, expressed within marriage, is beautiful and fantastic. But outside of marriage, it is destructive. It's detrimental to your health as a human being, emotionally and spiritually. So today we want to look at four steps to affair-proof your marriage. In your notes, number one, the first step to affair-proof your marriage, is make a commitment to God's standards. 
regardless of your past, regardless of failures, you must today to say, you're going to make a commitment to maintain God's standards. So look at Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a person keep his way pure? By living according to our culture, is that what it says? No. By living according to your word. See, we all agree that it's easier to get married than it is sometimes to stay married. In today's world, where there are permissive values that basically say anything goes, and we have entertainment organizations obsessed with sex, sex is used to sell everything from cars to bananas. There is a constant bombardment of the media. You do not stand much of a chance of remaining pure unless you have help. See, God's standards are very clear. In your notes, the Bible says sex is for marriage. Sex is for marriage, not before marriage, and not outside of marriage. Adultery is never an option. Under no circumstances is it okay. There's no justification for it. Remember, Joseph in the Old Testament was seduced by Potiphar's wife. And Joseph had every reason. He had every reason in the world to give in to that temptation. He could have said, I'm young. I'm single. I'm in a foreign country. It's an acceptable practice in this Egyptian society. She wants it. My desires want it. I've been abused. My mother died when I was young. My father was overindulgent. My brothers hated me. In fact, they sold me into slavery. Joseph had a terrible family life. He was deprived of real love. But Joseph said, I will not sin against my God. In fact, the Bible says that Joseph was tempted and he turned and he ran. And that is what we need to do. Look at Proverbs 5, verse 15. Be faithful to your own wife. Give your love to her alone. Now that is not just a suggestion. That's God's command. So step number one, make a commitment to God's standards. Number two in your notes, the second step to a fair-proof your marriage, magnify the consequences. Remind yourself of the destruction, the devastation that is caused by sexual sins. You magnify the consequences. Look at Proverbs 6, verse 32. The one who commits adultery is an utter fool, for he destroys his own soul. See, nothing damages your emotions like sexual sin. Nothing. There are many other sins that do not damage as much. Sexual sins leave permanent scars. The shame just does not seem to go away. The sense of loss to everyone involved is enormous. Oh, so many will say, I wish I'd just turn the clock back. Or I wish I could just erase it and I'll start over. Jesus says that if your eye causes you to sin, it is better to cut it out and than lose your soul. Look at Proverbs 6, verse 26. Adultery will cost the man all he has. Remember in the Old Testament, when Esau, who was hungry, sold his birthright, his inheritance, 
for a bowl of porridge? I know people today are selling their life away for one moment of pleasure. Many of you are in difficult marriages, we know. You're struggling. You're having a tough time. It's not satisfying. You're looking, maybe even looking around. Cost of maintaining your marriage. The cost of restoring your marriage. The cost of making it work no matter how high. Just remember, the cost of adultery is always higher. Always. It just does not pay in the long run. Everybody loses. God put this commandment in here for your benefit. He knows the pain that it causes. By God's grace and by his power, you can be faithful. Three reasons to be faithful in your notes. Number one, because I love Jesus. I owe my life to Jesus. Jesus died for me. Jesus is my ticket to heaven. And Jesus says, if you love me, then keep my commandments. There's no doubt that God says no to sex outside of marriage. Number two, the second reason to be faithful, I love my spouse. I love my family. The thought of hurting my spouse, hurting my kids, what it would do to them is unbearable. I love Jesus. I love my spouse. And number three, I fear God's judgment. I think this is a healthy kind of fear. The Bible says you don't do this because you think you're going to get away with it. You will reap what you sow. One day you will explain to God why. Why you chose to do what he said you should not be doing. And there will be no excuses accepted. Look at Hebrews 13 verse 4. God will judge those who are immoral. And those who do what? Commit adultery. And you say, I know that God wants me just to be happy. And you're right. And that's why he gave you this rule or this commandment. God knows better than you do. He does. In fact, adultery is ultimately pure selfishness. Adultery is not love, it's selfishness. It is saying that I'm going to put my needs and what I think is right. My pleasure is ahead of everything else. Even ahead of what God says. What God says it will do to your spouse, to your family ahead of what it will do to the other person's family and what it will do to the other person's spouse. It's saying, I'm doing what I want to do. And that's selfishness. That's never love. Today in America, we're teaching sex education. If we taught drug education the way sex education is being taught, they would be passing out needles and showing kids how to shoot it up because we know that you'll be doing it anyway. So let us show you how to do it safely. Kids need to be told what God says. What God says is right about sex. And what God says is wrong. So number one, make a commitment to God's standards. Number two, magnify the consequences. In your notes, number three, the third step to a fair-proof your marriage. Maintain my marriage. Maintain a growing marriage relationship with your spouse. It will reduce the pull and the attraction of adultery. Look at 1 Corinthians 7, verse 3. A man should fulfill his duty as a husband, and a woman should fulfill her duty as a wife, and each should satisfy the other's needs. Now, what kind of needs here are we talking about? 
Dr. Willard Harley, a Christian counselor in Minnesota. He wrote a fantastic little book called His Needs and Her Needs. He has identified the thousands of couples interviewed, what he thinks are the top five needs of most men and the top five needs of most women. Check to see if you can see any similarities between those two lists. The top five needs of most men are number one, sexual fulfillment. Number two, recreation, companionship. Number three, attractive spouse. Number four, domestic support. And five, admiration. And the top five needs of most women, according to Dr. Harley, number one, affection. Number two, conversation. Number three, honesty and one, openness. Number four, financial support. And number five, family commitment. Now, do you see any similarities between those two lists? No, it's no wonder we have so much trouble adjusting in marriages. Men come into marriage thinking that for some strange reason, they have married someone that's very much like themselves. So they set about trying to meet her needs by meeting needs that they have. They become frustrated when she does not respond the way he does. And women come into marriage thinking that they married someone very much like themselves. They set about to meet his needs by meeting the needs that they have. And they do not understand why he does not respond. So what is the solution? You need to get serious and get down to the full-time business of learning, first of all, what is your spouse needs. And then determining that you're going to do it all that's necessary to meet those needs, even if they're not your own. There was a scientific study. It was done to discover what days most men like to make love. They discovered that they are days that begin with T, Tuesday, Thursday, today, tomorrow, Saturday, Sunday. We kind of laugh, but we need to learn that men and women needs are different The goal in marriage needs to be that we become our best friend. Three steps to building friendship. In your notes, write these down. Number one, time. Number two, time. And number three, time. You cannot be friends with someone that you do not spend time with. With someone you don't see very often. With someone you don't talk and tell your heart to. So number one, make a commitment to God's standard. Number two, magnify the consequences. Number three, maintain my marriage. In your notes, number four, the fourth step to a fair-proof your marriage, manage my mind. People do not just fall into immorality. In fact, there's no such thing as a one-night stand. Even if it seems that way, You're not a moral, upright person one day, and by tomorrow you fall into immorality. It just does not happen that way. It's a process. Look at James 1, verse 14 and 15. Temptation is the pull of a person's own evil thoughts and wishes. These evil thoughts lead to evil actions and afterwards to death. There's a series of steps or events that take place. Let me share with you two ways affairs develop. Number one in your notes, 
accepting sinful thoughts into my mind. It starts with accepting sinful thoughts. The battle for any temptation in your life begins in your mind. Regardless of what the temptation is, the battle begins there. What you are thinking about, you will eventually feel. And what you feel is what you eventually act upon. The problem is that most Christians will not get serious about their minds. They wonder, oh, what's the big deal? What's the big deal about watching certain movies and not guarding your thoughts? What's the big deal? I can handle it. It doesn't bother me. You're just being deceived if you think that that to be true. See, if you think about positive, good, happy, loving, kind things, that's the way you will act. If you think about lustful things, dirty, trashy, obscene thoughts, that's the kind of person you will become. It's impossible not to be affected by what you let into your mind. I read this week that we have garbage disposals in our kitchens today. We have garbage dispensers in our living room, the TV. The television is one of the biggest dispensers of garbage, and we allow it into our own homes. Number two, a second way affairs develop involving myself emotionally. First, it's accepting sinful thoughts. Second, it's involving myself emotionally. You're only fooling yourself if you think you can become emotionally involved without becoming physically involved. Your spouse is the only person of the opposite sex that you should depend on to meet your needs for understanding, for support. See, unbelievers and their affairs do not spend a lot of time with emotional needs. Unbelievers move right into the physical relationship. But Christians, they'll often camp here. They'll spend a lot of time getting more and more emotionally involved. They will not deal with the reality of what is going on. Just look at 2 Timothy 2, verse 22, where Paul says to Timothy, Turn your back on lustful desires. Give your positive attention to goodness, integrity, love, and peace. So number one, do not accept sinful thoughts into your mind. Number two, do not get involved emotionally with a person of the opposite sex. So in conclusion, let me talk just a moment about the only marriage that is made in heaven. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 2, For I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself, and I promise you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. The Bible speaks of a, the church. The church is the bride of Christ. He's the one who gave himself into death for our sins on the cross. Jesus arose from the grave. He ascended into heaven to be our mediator before God the Father. And Jesus will one day return to take his church, to take his bride, to be with him in heaven forever. That's God's plan, a marriage made in heaven. And we become part of God's eternal family through faith and trust in Jesus. See, God has established his rules for marriage on earth so that you and your spouse may have your marriage with him forever in heaven. In order to affair-proof your marriage, we review four steps again. In your notes, number one, make 
a commitment to God's standards. Number two, you magnify the consequences. Number three, maintain my marriage. And number four, manage my mind. Amen.